a pastor, a pastor's family, and the financial pressures a man ministers under. Today's topic on ReChurch. Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Thank you for joining us on this episode of ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, and today I'm with Michael West. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, Mike has several responsibilities in his professional career as well as his personal life. When I think of Michael West, I think of two things. I think of a man concerned for God's work and then God's workers. So, Mike, tell us what you do. Uh, You're part of the GFA director team. So tell our audience what you do here at GFA. Here at GFA, I oversee our furlough replacement ministry, finding folks to fill in for our missionaries when they're home on furlough. We try to use retired couples or folks that have just, uh, their life circumstance would allow them to be away for an extended period of time and use their training. And that uh, extensive period of time would be a range of how long? Uh, Between three months and up to a year. Okay. For Mm -hmm. some type of replacement. And I also oversee a division of GFA called Professionals International. The goal there is to uh, minister through business in closed countries and allow a platform for our missionaries to be able to be in country uh, legitimately and to have uh, just access to areas that we normally wouldn't have access. So they could get a visa to go into a closed country. That's correct. Under this kind of program. That's correct. Wow, great opportunity. All right, so that is what you do here at GFA. Now let's talk about uh, the other side of the equation. Your, your professional world, uh, you are an advisor to many of God's workers. So tell our audience what you do and in the area of expertise God has gifted you. Well, I call it my day job, but my day job is a financial planner, and I manage a team of planners. We have three other folks working for me on the team as financial planners and then staff. Um, But we help individuals and companies with their investments. Mm -hmm. We help build portfolios, but ultimately we're looking to give them a plan for the future so that they have a course going forward. I help them in saving, budgeting, planning, estate and retirement planning. Uh, Any aspect of money, uh, we try to help them in. Well, that's great. So the reason I wanted you on this podcast, Severings, I know that you handle a lot of missionaries' accounts as well as pastors' accounts. So a lot of people in ministry trust you because you understand the unique circumstances pastors and missionaries work under. And one of those are, uh, well, of course, we all have limited funds, but maybe the unique strain. So uh, the first question I wanted you to talk about, because all of our financial decisions have impacts, consequences today and later on in life. So the non-negotiable. So, Mike, you're sitting across with a a young missionary, middle-aged missionary, older missionary, whoever that may be, or a pastor. So what would you consider pastors and missionaries on an income that's tight, a tight budget, what are some of those non-negotiable financial decisions that you say, okay, we we don't want to go there, or we do need to go there? What would those non-negotiables be? Well, I'm always going to start with what is their view of money. 
they've got an understanding of God's Word, and God's Word has much to say about money in general. And he is interested in the material things of this world, and he's provided those things for us. But really, who is the source of all things? Uh, there's so many folks that get off track because they're taking the world's view on money and on wealth. Uh, we have to have a balance, and a balance isn't pursuing both God and money. We know that that doesn't work. But understanding that God will use money to help us. So in those non-negotiables, it's our view of money. How do we view what we have and everything we have? And the, the proper response is from God. Yes. Whether we got much or little, mm -hmm. it's what God deems that we need. And if we believe we need more and we pray for more and God blesses us uh, with that, well, praise the Lord. We need to use those resources for him. Second would be our view of debt. And I only say that because the Bible has a lot to say about debt. Mm. And I'm not here to, to be on one side of that equation or not. I would just say that most Bible passages about debt are in the negative sense. Okay. So that when you're approaching debt, you need to live within a means. You need to be able to meet your obligations. And we have to not think that we can print whatever we need as uh, is kind of current in our government right. society. Or slide the credit card for whatever we that, need or that's whatever. Correct. Okay, good. Sorry, so item number one is our view of money. Item number two is our view of debt. Okay, so what's, what keep going with this? And then further from there, then it's just having a budget. Hmm. And most people do not live by a budget. They can tell you how much they make. They can't tell you how much they spend. We need to have an idea of what we're spending, and that, that is critical. We also need to understand enough about money and finances. For a pastor, he's going to be an example to his congregation, mm -hmm. and he doesn't need to be a businessman, but he needs to understand the businessman. He needs to understand how money works, that if we don't save, we won't have later, that if we don't plan ahead, uh, we're going to meet the plan. We just don't have one. So we need to plan for the emergency. There shouldn't be emergencies if we plan. All right, I'm going to park right there just a minute. All right, so let's say I'm a pastor. My wife and I, we, we've been to seminary. We understand the Bible, but I really don't understand money. I was not raised in a family, or this pastor may not have been raised in a family where a budget was observed finances were never discussed in the family you get through seminary just by not spending more than you make okay so mike if if someone's out there in the ministry listening to this right now outside there'd be two ways they could get help number one would be talk to a person what resource is there a course or a book or anything you recommend just to get the big idea of money what what terms mean is there something like that that you recommend well, there's a plethora of resources okay. out there. The very starting point. What would you do? Just make an appointment with someone like you and have explain these things, or what would you do? Well, I would recommend active management, which is using a financial planner. Okay. Someone who is going to share more than just 
selling an investment. Right. They're going to look at your situation. They're going to look at what your capabilities are, your needs, and goals and for the future. You. And they're going to educate okay, you. That's where, okay. But you need to set uh, some type of budget together. And it may just start with, this is how much I have coming in, okay. and these are my basic bills. But having an understanding of the inflows and the outflows is mm -hmm. the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then knowing that we have to tithe. Scripture talks about that. And there, there is much, as I mentioned, that the Bible says about money. And it isn't so that we have more things to spend for us. Actually, it's so we have more to spend for others, for the Lord's work, mm -hmm. for the needs that are out there. The Lord will provide... And you may wonder why some people are so blessed with material goods. Well, it could be that the Lord has so inclined them to use those mm. funds for other people. Mm. Now, their pursuit may be just for themselves. And if that's it, we know that those won't last. Right. The God's not pleased with that. Yeah. But just to have a plan of using your money in the proper way, knowing that difficulty at some point is going to come in the future and planning ahead for those things. All right, can I segue into one yes. more thing? All right, so from your experience, if a pastor and his wife come to you and they have a budget and they're still in financial trouble, it's because maybe they don't understand the budget, the budget is not adequately proportioned. I mean, I know the budget's the starting point. Do we agree with that? That's the starting point? It is. All right, so... What would be a common problem somebody faces? They got a budget, but it's not working. Okay. Well, they have a piece of paper that has a bunch of numbers on it, and they don't live by that piece of paper. They don't review it. They don't recalibrate it every quarter and just look at where they are. You do want to live in reality. You may think that you can do a certain thing, but unless you, you've tested it yeah. and you've gone through, it's not going to be a proven and a successful budget. All right, so let's say I start a budget today. My wife and I, we sit down. That budget, again, like you said, it's not reality until it's been tested, right? Yes. So how long, uh, recalibrate every quarter, review it. But until I know really, does it take a year? Does it take to really me to understand my budget? And how long does it take for me to recalibrate my thinking and my spending habits? to go with the budget? Three to six months. Okay. If you can look at your spending over a quarter, you're going to cover most things, your monthly and your quarterly bills. Over two quarters, you've built a discipline. If you're reviewing it and seeing where your spending is, and uh, if you can't control the top line, which is the income, mm -hmm. you have to control the bottom line. You want to repeat spending. that again? Because <laughs> that's yeah. so important. Repeat if, that one again. Yeah, if you cannot control the top line, which yeah. is your income, you have to control the bottom line, which is the spending. Okay. All right. So any other non-negotiables? Because I'm going to segue into another question here. Uh, the only other non-negotiable is knowing that this is all God's money. Okay. We have to have a Christian's view of everything we do. We cannot have a secular view. Just because the world agrees with something or something's allowable, uh, our filter is the Bible. So how we spend our money, where we put our resources, uh, how we invest our money, all has a bearing on our view, our Christian view 
of life. Well said. This podcast is really focusing on renewing, revitalization, refocusing, and lots of times a church, I'm convinced, can become distracted because the pastor's distracted. And a common way pastors and their families get distracted is because of they've made some financial mistakes along the way. What I want to segue into the next section of this, Mike, as all the people you've counseled and worked with, what are some common mistakes you see that we in the ministry often make? Well, the Lord is going to provide all our needs, and that's Scripture. But He didn't just leave us here not to provide for ourselves. So having a laissez-faire view of how your future is going to turn out is not a plan. Uh, it is a, I guess you could call it a plan. It's a very destructive plan. But where many folks get off is they lose focus of what their real calling is. Perhaps they get distracted with savings, with investing. And there is a lot of information. You can do all this yourself. Just staying educated, having a knowledge of trends and things that are impacting us currently will help us along the way, as long as we have a plan of action. So what would be another common mistake? Debt is usually the biggest mistake. Is that they took on too much, did not understand what they were getting into, did not understand the total payback, did not, I mean, because debt's such a multi-layered problem. Right. So the biggest problem with debt would be? Too much leverage, too much debt, overall debt. Too much leverage to find that for our audience here. Uh, buying a house that's too, too big, mm-hmm. having a car that's too expensive, budgeting your whole life around payments mm-hmm. instead of around the usage of items, knowing that most items are depreciable or they're, they're going to wear out over time. And have to be replaced. And have to be replaced. And so unless you're saving ahead, so planning ahead, saving for that vacation or time off, planning for the car that you're going to need, planning for repairs that you'll need on a home, and just upkeep and maintenance uh, is part of life. And it's got to be part of that budget that we're talking about. And many folks just bite off more than they can chew. They're driven by their wants more than their needs. So debt can snowball. It can. Okay, so I want to flip that. On the other side, if you would explain to the average pastor what compounding interest is all about. On the positive. I want you to comment on two things. What this word compounding means. And secondly, how that can work for us instead of against us. Right. And so in the, the investment world, if you're making interest on your money, and it's simple interest, and you're making 5% on $1,000, you'd make $50 a year. Well, if you were compounding that interest, that means you're going to make interest off $5,050 the next year, and then 1100 plus the next year. And uh, Einstein is the one who was quoted as saying the eighth wonder of the world is compounding. So compounding does work, and in a low interest rate environment that we find ourselves now, it becomes challenging finding investments that are going to provide a steady rate of return over time. 
But the point is you have money working for you yes. instead of against you. That's correct. Okay. So you weren't ready for this question. I'm going to throw it at you anyway. All right. So most pastors, are they go to seminary until about age 25, 28, something like that. But some of the greatest years to put money back because of compounding are those early years. years. Yes. So if you could sit down with an 18-year-old guy, a couple or whatever, going into the ministry between 18 and 30, again, I'm throwing this at you out of the blue here. So between 18 and 30, how would someone save and start saving to allow this compounding to work for them instead of against them? Well, everybody can save something. We drink coffee. We eat out. We do a number of things because we want to do those things. So it's really just starting with a discipline, even if it's $25 a month, $50 a month, systematically saving. The vehicle that you're going to save in may be different for different folks. If it's truly safe money, it should be in an interest-bearing type, emergency-type account. But if it's longer-term savings over three years, longer-term being future retirement or home purchase or later purchases, then you might want to some type of mutual fund or investments that are going to give you greater growth with ups and downs, but it's that compounding, that growth that is going to work for you over time. But you said it well. You got. You always can find something to save. Yes. And you should start early, especially in the ministry. So this is working for you. Yes. Okay. The first savings is your emergency savings. There are going to be emergencies, so you need to set aside three to six months worth of bills, mm -hmm. worth of your expenses, and that should be your number one goal. Beyond that, then you start saving for those multiplicity of goals that you've set for yourself, whether it's a home or a car or retirement or education. Those are all different buckets that we can save towards. But just starting with a little bit and letting it grow and build. Another aspect I would mention is as time goes by, our pay does go up. Mm. We get increases. And as we get increases, if we could maintain a contentment in our life and not constantly be increasing our wants and mm. our needs, the Lord blesses us, and over time, that's just going to allow you to save more, to give more, and just to be better prepared in the future. In fact, I believe the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain, not just gain, but great gain. Yes. All right, one final question. I appreciate your time uh, because I'm just trying to whet appetites, and then I'm going to give you your email address at the end, okay? We're sitting across the table, and a pastor's across from us. He said, Mike, I opted out of Social Security. What do I do? Well, there's very few things that are permanent in this world. But with Social Security, if you've opted out, it is a permanent decision as far as ministerial income. All right, so you have ministerial income, but they may have also had secular income along the way, right? Correct. Okay, so we'll just divide that two in their mind. That's right. Ministry income versus working your way through seminary at a particular job. Secular work. Got it, okay. And actually, that secular work can continue even after you're in the ministry. The Social Security office requires that you have 40 quarters to be able to um, receive retirement so benefits. So 10 years of work. It's 10 years yeah. worth of work. And the income requirements for that are around $5,500 a year in income. Mm -hmm. 
So within four quarters in a year, you can pick up four quarters of that segment. Many folks that are going through seminary are going to have about a 10-year work history before they go into the ministry. So just know where you are in that in that world, uh, because at 65 or 66, when you're going to retire, if you're short on those quarters, you will not receive mm. retirement benefits. So if the reality is if somebody has opted out, they may go back and someone like you could help them figure out maybe they did have secular employment. So to learn how to talk to Social Security office about this, right? That's right. And see, maybe they still could put some quarters in or something at some point, but not wait to the last minute. Yes. So really what I hear you saying is you need, on your financial world, you can't just neglect it. You need your finger on the pulse every quarter of every year for your entire life to understand where your money is, right? and where it needs to go, what bucket it needs to be put in. So when you do hit 66, 67, 70, you know, you've been a good steward of what God has trusted you with. Is that true? That's true. All right. What else you want to say in closing, Mike? Anything? We have the opportunity to be light in a dark world and to really show how God can bless with even limited resources. If we're just prudent, and wise with the resources that we have. If we know who, who's given us these blessings, this is all on loan from the Lord. Mm. And we want to be able to make a good showing of it. Amen. All right, Mike, give your email address, the best way somebody can contact you. It's michael.west at raymondjames.com. Right, michael.west at raymondjames.com. Correct. And again, this is Marshall Fant. You can email me at mfant at gfamissions.org. And again, I want to thank you for joining us in the podcast. If you have some topics you would like to discuss with Michael over the podcast or want us to discuss, again, email me. I also want to thank Sarah Hartwig for all her work in editing these podcasts and putting them out. And we hope to hear from you soon. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.